Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with four smart, sport-loving ladies. This is Helmets and Heels with Lauren, Donna, Taylor, and Mia, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. I do not think I've ever had as much joy doing Helmets and Heels as I have had this season. It is Victory Tuesday once again this six-game winning streak and the way the Jaguars came back Saturday night. Do we have a nickname for this team? Is it the Comeback Cats? Cardiac Cats. Cardiac Cats. See, oh, I yeah. think Comeback Cats might fit better because of the way that they've won these games in, in certainly comeback fashion. No, it's certainly been Cardiac Cats over the last <laughs> few home games. I mean, like I, that's the crazy part, Lauren, is like you look at this six-game win streak, the games on the road – have come pretty comfortably, for the most part, for the most part in this six-game win streak. Granted, because it was, what, Jets and Texans. And Titans. And Titans, that's true, too. And that was a beatdown, for the most yes. part. And then when they get, get come back to TIA Bank Field, this team just decides, like, I keep tweeting out the, the meme, and I know our boy John Shipley of Sports Illustrated and Jaguar Report gets a kick out of it, but the one of, why can't you just be normal? <laughs> I just want to know why. I just want to comfortably watch a game. That's, I will take wins even yeah. if they're uncomfortable. That's yeah. what I've decided. Winning rules. Yeah, and it's definitely stressful moments, but I was texting Mia, I think the next day, and I was like, what the heck? I was like, that game was so stressful. And she and so she was talking about the cardiac cats at home. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's cardiac cats at home and commanding cats on the road. Like, I don't know. But it's two different teams you see sometimes. I mean, two different teams you see in the first half and the second half sometimes. And Always. that's what we saw this yeah. last week, definitely. Look, I think we all know Trevor Lawrence had to overcome throwing those four interceptions and come back and, and have just a stellar performance in the second half. But I think people are kind of overlooking the fact that the defense had to make certain stops in the first half and force field goals, or there is no second-half comeback. Mm -hmm. If they had been able to score every time they went in the red zone, and obviously they had short fields because of the different issues between the the picks and then also the special teams error, if the Chargers score on every one of those red zone zone trips, I don't think there is a comeback. I don't think the Jaguars have – the time <laughs> well yeah the time the the ability yeah to be able to make that kind of a comeback yeah 27 points was certainly a, a, a very uphill climb but I think anything more than that and I, I don't know that they could have done that yeah, yeah and in being in the Jaguars locker room today not only have we media members been asked when did we feel like the tide shifted when did we feel like there was a turning point and an opportunity to come back in this one The guys in the locker room have national media, local media, of course, but a lot of national voices, their own families asking them that same thing. And the one that I keep coming back to, Lauren, especially as you mentioned the defense being so critical to keeping the door open to a comeback, um, I did not even realize that on that jet sweep, the third and one play, Mm -hmm. at the end of the first half, that allowed the Jaguars, because the Chargers did not convert, Mm -hmm. forced them to punt, took them out of field goal range, and what would have, we're not field goal range, but like what would have been, you know, they would have continued to milk the clock in that first half, but instead they were forced to punt and the Jaguars got the ball and they went down and scored an Evan Ingram touchdown. Um, the Chargers on jet sweeps. Well, let me, let, me, let me backtrack here. That third and one play that they ran the jet sweep on, Justin Herbert checked into that play. It was supposed to be a inside run. He checked out of the inside run. 
They go to the jet sweep. On jet sweeps this year, the Chargers have averaged negative yardage. Better yet, that play that was called in particular was for Mike Williams. Mm. Tell me, Taylor, where yeah. was Mike Williams? Yeah, not there. Not, in not even in Jacksonville. Not even in the state of Florida. Um, That's my, maybe why we saw a firing of an offensive coordinator today. It gets better. It gets better. DeAndre Carter is usually then the player mm-hmm. that comes on that end-around jet sweep if Mike Williams is not playing. He was also not on the field for that play. And he so, was out for much of the game. Correct. Correct. And so instead, you had the backup to the backup to the backup. That being one, Michael Bandy. It was the only touch he had of the ball all day, and he fumbled it. They were able to recover. Roy Robertson-Harris got beat to the fumble recovery. But at the same time, that now, when I watch this game in hindsight and hearing just how absurd that chain of events was, mm-hmm. that's why Joe Lombardi was fired this morning. Oh, yeah. And that's also why the Jaguars won the game. Yeah, that, on- that was the first domino to fall that left the door open for a comeback. On that defensive drive, the first – First down of that defensive drive, not the first first down, the first down of that defensive drive, Rayshon Jenkins breaks up the pass. Mm-hmm. If that pass is completed, I think we're talking about a different chain of events. Yeah. And so, it, yes, Roy Robertson-Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, Devon Hamilton at times, certainly Arden Key, Josh Allen, they all played such critical roles. Trayvon Walker had a monster of a game. And we talked so much, obviously, about the offense and, and the touchdown of Marvin Jones and Zay Jones and everything and all the fun you know, the two-point conversion, all that fun stuff. But I really think, and I understand, yes, your defense gave up 30 points. That's Mm -hmm. not the best scenario. But with what they had to work with in that first half, man, I thought they ended up doing a tremendous job. And and Mike Caldwell, certainly for what they had to deal with, uh, did a great job. All right, so Taylor, I'll ask you this question. At age 23, would Mm -hmm. you have been able to maintain your composure if you had thrown four picks in the first half to be able to come back out in the second half and do what Trevor Lawrence did? Um, Definitely not. I couldn't (laughs) do that now, like at 32. I honestly, and the the way he did it too, there was never a moment where I was like, uh oh, he's panicking a little. Like you never even got any sense that that was happening, which is honestly wild because when when the first one happened, you're like, okay, this is bad. First pass and here we go. But it's okay. We've seen Trevor shake that off before. And then the second one happens and you're like, oh, this is uh, not a good day so far. Third one happens and you're like, okay, it has to, something's, it has to be getting to him. You know, even though you, you didn't see any physical signs from Trevor, but you were like, this is his third one. And we're hardly into this game. It has to be messing with his head. But you never saw it. So as I'm watching, I'm like, I, he just he doesn't seem shaken. He seems like he's okay. When it was showing him on the sideline, obviously being at home watching on TV, you could see his frustration leaving the field, like after they would happen. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Like he was on the field looking at the tablet, talking to the whatever coach, what's next. And so it was always just kind of like, okay, next drive, let's go. And that's the vibe you got. From that moment, and that's why even after that, I was still kind of like, okay, it, it's not over because Trevor's not done. It's funny. I had friends that were there, and some people obviously left. Because yeah. I had some people that wanted to leave, and their rides were like, no, we're staying. I had other friends that actually stayed positive throughout, which is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the the difference, Mia, between watching TV and watching in person for this game the air was like you were able to watch on TV and go, okay, he's still he, Trevor's going to be just fine. Watching in the stadium, the air like went out of the stadium. Mm. I mean, the crowd that third and fourth, those third and fourth picks, and then the special teams blunder. 
it was like just, I mean, silence. Mm-hmm. Like I, Al Michaels even said it in the yeah. second half. He's like, it was like a church in here yeah. in the first half. And so that's where I thought, uh-oh. That was the first time mm-hmm. I thought, uh-oh, it was probably the third pick. Like I, this this can't go any worse. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to regain the energy because the, the fans now have no energy whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Well, in talking to some buddies that were in the stadium, if the Jaguars hadn't scored that touchdown before halftime – you would have seen more people leave. A lot leave, more leave, for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah, that well, touchdown to Evan Ingram was massive. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think also because it wasn't just the picks, it was a ball off of a helmet and pa- batted passes. And, like, the amount of I – w- I haven't gone back and counted, but the amount of tipped passes and batted balls that happened in that game and both sides, but the they, the Chargers were getting picking up all of the Jags ones and the Jags weren't getting any. They were just not there. They were not there. And this is the first half. The second half, it almost was like everything completely flipped and everything started going Jags way and not Chargers way. But it, there were so many moments with all the, the missed calls that you were very blatant and obvious. And then, like I said, it was just everything you could have scripted to go wrong in the first half went wrong. And you never saw Trevor panic about any of that. And that's, I think, part of it is my negative thinking was, well, the Jaguars are going to have to overcome a 20-point deficit at halftime and the refs. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was pass interference left and right against the Chargers, and they weren't calling any of it. Yeah. And so that's that was the other thing I was, I was getting kind of soured on. But again, knowing that they'd come back from being down 17 twice, I thought, all right, uh, let's just get through halftime. I'll go downstairs and get my Cheetos, because that's what I do for every <laughs> game, make sure that this team wins. And uh, and they certainly did. JJ, you were here working the here. broadcast. How? What was your thinking throughout it all? I honestly, I I wouldn't say that I was like, oh, they're gonna definitely <laughs> win. But when they did make the stop on third down and one, whatever it was, yep. and they got the ball back, I'm like, they're gonna score here. They're gonna score a touchdown here, and then it's only a three. Like football, they you know, it's easy to be like, oh, 27 point lead. But really, it's like a it's it's a four point lead, you know. Yeah, it's touchdown. three to yeah, one or whatever. Like yep. it, it, it's closer than it sounds. And the way the Jags come back, I'm like, it's not like the Chargers are dominating this game. Right. They're really not. They've gotten some turnovers and they've been held when they've gotten to the red zone. I I knew the Jags would come back. I didn't necessarily know they would win, but I know that it was I knew it would be a close game in the fourth quarter. So I wasn't really shocked. The first time I thought the Jaguars are gonna win this game was when Dicker the kicker missed the field goal. Mm-hmm. When that went wide left, I thought there's no chance that this team is going to let yeah. this game get away from them now that they've been gifted that. Yeah. Was the what was the uh wide open touchdown? Was that Zay. the second yeah. third. one? It was a third one. Oh, uh, that's what I knew. Yeah. yeah. I was like was, there's no doubt Yeah, it was Ingram then Marvin, mm-hmm. then Zay, Zay then Kirk. Kirk. Yep. Well, and that's what because there was the moment bef- the drive the Chargers drive before he missed the field goal. They held him to a field goal there too. And that's when he like missed Keenan Allen or Keenan Allen it kind of right. bounced off his hands yep. at one point. And at that point, I w- and I think it was like 30-14, but I was still like, man, they just held him to a field goal. If they score right here, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's not 27. It's right. very reasonable. And they were stopping them at this point. So you start you started getting like momentum of optimism because you're like, okay, well, they figured some things out now. Tides have turned a little bit and like things are going the Jags way. And so that moment and then they 
Jack scored a touchdown, and then they missed the field goal. I was like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> like, this is happening. And then Joey the Bosa. Yeah. And then Joey yeah. Bosa happens. Had to be an idiot. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, this is this is all <laughs> Even if up. they made that field goal, Jags were going to score a touchdown. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I agree, no I agree too. I, I, that I agree. didn't matter to me. So my question is, because this has been the big topic debated on all the national programs this week, obviously here in this town, we know what we witnessed. We know this was the Jaguars going out and pulling off an improbable win. But did the Chargers also lose this game? Absolutely. Yes, because that's, that's, the crazy, that's the crazy part is like I do look at this and say not every team could have come back from mm-hmm. that 27 nothing deficit. And so that's why I tip my cap to Doug Peterson and the Jaguars because I do think they had to go out and seize the moment. Yeah. But there were so many openings oh, in yeah. that second half that it read like a movie script. You're like, yeah. how is this happening? You yeah. just mentioned Joey Bosa. People mm-hmm. are always talking about the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and rightfully so. But he lined up in the neutral zone the time that Callahan sacked Trevor. Mm-hmm. If that sack, oh, that was huge on third down, is yes. good. I again, I don't think the Jaguars win that game. If Doug Peterson was the coach of the Chargers, we would not be. Obviously, the whole Jaguars season would have gone differently. Yeah. But if Doug Peterson was the coach of the Chargers on Saturday, the Chargers win that yeah. ball game. And the way he was lined up too on TV, you could see it obviously, yep. and it was just like. Barely, and oh so yeah, just it was his like, helmet. Oh yep. man, like the the closest you could possibly call someone for that is what he got, and that's what started his like spiral. So then he freaked out, slamming helmets. He got in trouble at that point. Somewhere, and Irvin then, was smiling. By yeah, the way. he was a and then fast forward, child. <laughs> and I loved Thomas it. Aquinas. Yes, and then fast forward, and we see Jawan jump, but they don't even pay attention to that because Joey's acting a fool, and we're like, thank you. Like, thanks for distracting from everything else happening. Which, if you've been paying attention, Juwan Taylor does that every uh, yeah. game. He just times it perfectly. And All right, so we will keep up this Jaguars conversation. Victory Tuesday is so much fun around here. I believe we have a special music selection dialed up, so we will get to that when we come back. And a whole lot more. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tara Atlet on 10 XL and any 2.5 FM. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Little Darius Rucker on this Tuesday night. We don't normally do themed music shows in football season because we have so much to discuss. But tonight, Darius Rucker slash Hootie and the Blowfish has earned a special place on the show. That's because... Darius himself tweeted out yesterday, if your team is out, meaning, of course, in the NFL playoffs, who you got? Nobody wants to see Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Let me hear who you all like to win it all. Well, I think we know Darius Rucker now is cheering for the Jaguars, yeah. right? Well, I think some people took that very <laughs> wrong. Some, they some people, and this is with all due respect, I love you, our listeners. Some of you need to evaluate your reading comprehension skills, <laughs> um, or at least Ouch. understand, t- <laughs> or at least understand tone, um, because tone on on or print, better, in print, or they better can't. yet, since they so, can't. Ma- so many of you love to be Twitter sleuths. Um, who was at Trevor Lawrence's draft party last year that made the headlines everywhere? Darius oh, Rucker. It, Darius Rucker. They're How friends. quickly we forget. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, by the way, that reminds me. So the last two Saturday nights, I've left the press box, driven back to the beach, and gone to a, a local bar right near my house where they have karaoke mm-hmm. uh, going late night. 
I feel like this is a good karaoke song for me. Wagon yeah. Wheel. It's a great karaoke song. You could do song, Wagon Wheel. Right? I think I could, I mean, I yeah. could obviously the pitch sing is, it without. The pitch is easy, too. And it's so an easy pitch, yeah. People intonation. Yep. And people know it, so they'll be clapping right. and singing Now, along. I have not done karaoke either time, so I'm certainly, if the Jaguars win Saturday, I'm not going Don't to do karaoke again, but I will be going to the same place because I am superstitious. Yeah, by the way, all my talk of tone right now, you do all know I can't carry a tune in a bucket, although I do love karaoke. <laughs> Just had to get that out there. Hey, you know what? Whatever it takes to get through non-football season <laughs> is what it takes. Uh, and certainly we are getting through football season just dandy. All right, ladies, when it comes to the impact players against the Chargers, JJ, you had Trevor Lawrence and Tyson Campbell. How do you think you did? I thought I was doing terribly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Trevor, just just amazing. I love this kid, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy with my pick. Now, you're not a Jersey Tyson, guy, right? Tyson, they didn't really throw it. No, they did not. Campbell one, so that's a win. One catch, three yards. That's yes. it. You're not a Jersey guy, right, JJ? Uh, what do you mean? Do you like wear jerseys? From Jer- oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, what? Sorry, no. not you just like change the I, subject. I was I was basically asking, oh, are you gonna I am get a, a Trevor Jersey guy? You are. Are you oh, gonna absolutely. get a Trevor Lawrence jersey? I don't know. I feel okay. like that would I see so many people with them now and I'm like, man, you guys didn't have them like four weeks ago. Like they look like real fresh. So it's like, do I wanna be one of those people? Okay. I like like uh, obscure players. Okay. Uh, like I might get like a Logan I was assaulted by the ref cook jersey or something like that. <laughs> He certainly was. At that point in time, Mia, you were not in the press box anymore. You had gone downstairs. Yeah, I was on the field like probably like 50 yards from them, and I didn't actually see it happen because there were people and cheerleaders in front of me. Uh, So that was news to me when everyone started telling me about how Jeff Lagerman was ready to fight unofficial. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He was going off today. Yeah, and I I heard him this morning. During the broadcast, it was hilarious. Right, because, I mean, he really did like manhandle Logan Cook. And I said in the press box right at the – the moment I was like, you can't do that. And Coach Campbell said the same thing. You can't do that. And so yeah. we were ready to fight the ref as well. It's, uh, it's it the didn't second come to that time point. in as many weeks that I've seen the refs go out of their way to stop like right. the Right, but pre-kick. it doesn't make sense to me. Like, uh, I the guess ho- they got word down from league office that was like, we can't have any more Don't practice Don't let them kicks. practice. Yeah. It's but ruining the league. That's the whole point. If you are, quote unquote, icing the kicker, yeah. you're allowing the kicker to kick a practice kick. Yeah. Like, because you're calling the timeout as late as you possibly can because you're trying to get in the kicker's head. I think it's well, all part Dallas of it. Dallas couldn't make one to save their life no matter how many oh tries left. <laughs> I felt really bad for him last night. I was night. like, this Luckily, it didn't matter, but I man. I, well, yeah. and Dak was having a convulsions on the sideline over it and I was like bro He's you having just a meltdown. threw like seven interceptions last week so <laughs> let's let's take a step back yeah if anyone's gonna call anybody out about messing <laughs> up it's probably not gonna be you although he did play really well last yeah, night he did. with five touchdowns all right so my impact players against the Chargers were Josh Allen and Brandon Scherf I think I win with both of those mm-hmm. uh, maybe not as big of a win as Trevor Lawrence uh, certainly in the second half Mia who are yours uh, my impact players uh, first Logan Cook who as Josh Allen joked with me today but I don't think he was joking uh, best player on the team mm-hmm. and uh, all pro punter should be an all pro punter um, and then I also had Travis Etienne who obviously in the first half that was my biggest concern as we were looking at how much time the Jaguars would have for mm-hmm. a comeback in this one if they could pull it off the fact that they had you know they had to get downfield quickly and while Travis Etienne was already averaging over five yards a carry would that be enough to continue the run game knowing you're you were in a race against the clock and it ended up working out um, ended with a five and a half Yard per carry clip, 20 carries for 109 yards. Yeah, yeah, and that fourth and one was just a thing of beauty. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Obviously, they were making it look like it was going to be a QB sneak. And the Jaguars, at that point, I felt like they were going to get it if that's what they wanted to do mm-hmm. because of all the momentum. Uh, but certainly seeing Travis Etienne, and, and that's the side of the press box that I'm in. It, so he was right in front of me. And so he comes down, and it was like, I gasped. Yeah. Like, I I cannot believe they called that. Mm-hmm. And it was it worked so beautifully. He stayed in bounds and all those things. All right, let's predict our impact players. And I'm not leaving Taylor out on purpose in case you're new to the show. <laughs> Taylor had a way of jinxing some players. And so she just does her silently. Yes. And we will continue that because, again, we are superstitious. I will go first and I will take Travis Etienne for the same reasons that we've talked about on, I think, on most shows this week. When you go up against the Chiefs, the Chiefs, do not do well when the other team runs the ball well. And so that in the three losses the Chiefs have, the other team has run the ball pretty well. So I'm going to take Travis Etienne. And then I will also take Foyer Oluwakon. And I think that's because between Foyer and then one of the other inside linebackers, they're going to have to try and figure out something uh, to keep Travis Kelsey under 100 yards. Certainly mm-hmm. good luck with that. Uh, but if he has a big night, well, it's afternoon slash night, uh, then I think the Jaguars are in trouble. Mia, who you got? I kind of want to go two defensive players, but that I know works. I, I, for, that works. We, we like to change. We like to have one offensive, one defensive, though. And I'm seeing well, you've done special teams, so really anything's. Yeah, fine. that's true. Okay, um, so I I'm gonna go uh, for the second time in three weeks. I'm going to go with Andre Cisco. Okay, mostly because I am getting such a riot and such a laugh out of all these Chiefs fans who are ready to put Andre Cisco on wanted posters throughout the Midwest because of the hit he had on Juju Smith-Schuster, mm-hmm. um, which was legal. Uh, go to any of the hits he laid down in Syracuse. Like, it, it's legal. He's just a sure tackler. Oh, they like, were so mad. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, so Andre Cisco is one because I, I want him to have another interception, and I would like for the chaos of Kansas City fans losing their minds. Um, and I'm also going to go with Josh Allen because – I, you could check out my interview with him from earlier today on 1010XL, uh, his YouTube channel and our various social media channels. I brought up to him, you know, like, what were your feelings as you left Arrowhead in November? And he said that it was a feeling he said he never wanted to have again. because, And, like, that that's generic. But then he went on to say he looked at himself in the mirror and said, I can't let that happen again because he himself disappeared, he felt, in that game. Despite, if you go back to the box score, he was second on the team in tackles with seven tackles. But at the same time, I think he knew that they, as much as the defense held its own for the most part outside of obviously the three early scores um, and the offense really struggled to get anything going in the first half, he just felt like if he wasn't playing at an elite level, then maybe he wasn't for long on this journey that he now appears to be back on the trajectory mm-hmm. towards long-term here in Jacksonville. And so and he wants a lot of money and he wants to stay here. Yeah. And, and both so those things should happen. And now. so hearing from him today, um, we love our boy, Josh, obviously who I, who I go way back with from our, um, our home state. Um, but I could tell it was a different sort of Josh today because I think he is taking this one personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very curious to see if that pays off on Saturday. I certainly hope so. All right, JJ, who you got? I think it's a, Battle of the tight ends. Okay. I think Evan Ingram. I like it. On offense. And then whoever, I guess, covers Travis Kelsey for the most part. Is that Lloyd? Is that Mooma, Cisco? Muma, Whoever. Yeah. Well, so it'll has be curious. To take care of it's funny you bring that up, JJ, Kelsey. because Aluakin covered him in the first meeting. And I think that was to the detriment of the Jaguars' defense. Probably. Because <laughs> Devin Lloyd got benched then during the, oh, yeah. the bye week that followed. Um, because if. Foye is having to man mark in addition to holding the two rookies by the hand. Um, 
not exactly great. Uh, not not a bold strategy there, Cotton. So um, he's sort of your run stopper guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you have to put Muma or Lo- or maybe you just put Lloyd on him, even if he's been a liability in coverage. He's the best athlete. He's of more three. athletic, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you just stick him on them and. And Whoever it is, it's going to be a tough, long day. I know <laughs> yeah, that. You're going to be a little tired. Who would yeah. like to be the sacrificial lamb? Yes. Please raise your hand. Right, because they Who also volunteers as tribute. They also can run the ball effectively with mm-hmm. Pacheco when they want to. The Chiefs can. So certainly, uh, it it's going to be, I think, another high scoring, hopefully very close game. Uh, maybe Riley Patterson wins it again. That would be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Also, I saw an interview with Kelsey. Mm-hmm. He put the cheap being a cheap guy rumors to bed. Uh, remember when oh, his yeah. girlfriend broke up <laughs> yeah, with him yeah. and she claimed that yes. he didn't, she didn't spend any money on him? Yeah, which is weird. He anyway. laughed that off and was like, are you guys serious? Like, we're, we dated for five years. Yeah. Like, and- of course, I would give her money. She'd give me money. Like, it's it's not a big deal. We'd be back and forth. I always <laughs> felt like that story really painted him in a bad light. I have yeah. to defend him. He, he had to come clean about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> what is that about? Um, that's the problem with... Women or men being able to make headlines without anybody having to like actually substantiate what they said. Yeah, they, that's just at that point because I remember when it came out and everyone was like, kind of making a big deal about it. But then other people were like, okay, like why does he have to pay for your stuff? Like right. I don't understand even if he be didn't. an independent woman. Yeah, uh, but that would be like two years ago when I was jokingly saying that Taylor was turning forty yeah. instead of thirty, and people like, were like, oh my god, she's forty. <laughs> and there's a difference between like like her being an independent woman, but then they were claiming that he never paid for dinner yeah. and like all that stuff. It's yeah, like it, a, a little he, a little exact. Also, like, don't stay with someone for five years if they're never going to pick up a tab yeah, for dinner. Like that's a that's six month you. relationship. That's exactly. <laughs> if it's not an even fair thing, then you're out. I'm I pay for the majority of meals, but every once in a while I'll throw the check over to her. She pays for it. Brian cooks virtually every meal. So when we go out, I usually pick up the tab yeah, because nice. I have to, yeah, he buys all the, all the food groceries and, he, and, yeah, yeah, and so spends time it all. cooking. Exactly. So it's I feel like trade. yeah, it's absolutely fair. But I'm sure if somebody only saw us go out to eat. Yeah. And be like, well, this she is- pays for everything. <laughs> yeah, this is a really unfair. That's how the headline starts. Progressive, <laughs> right? And that man is cheap. No, not at you all. You drive him home. <laughs> he sits in the back. Let, um, well, let me yes, just, I am a chauffeur. No. Before we get to break, this is like a little bit of a different topic, but we're—I know—we're like kind of moving on from here. But Mia's interview after the game of where the guys were when they during the, that kick, I was just cracking up because we talk about like how stressed and nervous Absolutely. we were, and they were just like opposite side of the field, not looking. I can't watch it, and I was like, except Trev. Yeah. yeah, he's just like. Uh, well, apparently going. they even I knew said. He was make it. Right, they even <laughs> said to Trev, they were like, "Come sit with us, come pray with us," and he went, "Nope, I want to be first. I'm first in line." And so, no, so him cute. and I guess Tyson Campbell like decided to walk over with him because no one else would. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then he just ran around like Jim Balvano, and that was my favorite part of the entire win. Well, and <laughs> running it, running to no one. He I, he hugged Tyler Shatley first. Trevor and Tyler did. Shatley seems so confused. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> he did Trev. seem like... Good friend of the program, friend of the station, Tyler Shatley. We love you, buddy. But it was just so funny because Trevor's just running around <laughs> looking for someone to jump on, and the first person he sees, number Good 69. Nice. <laughs> well, and Mike DiRocco tweeted out from practice last week that Tyler Shatley had picked out a Travis Tritt song called Country Club to play at practice, and some of the other players were booing. Oh. And DRock says, that's how I know this team is loose, and you know yeah. they're not going to let the moment be too big for them, something along those lines. 
And so that was the first thing. And I had that song stuck in my head all day on Sunday. I'm a member of a country club is, is how the song goes. Yeah. Country music is what I love. Because I'm just thinking to myself like, man, what an incredible locker room that must have been like yeah. after the game. To, to go in at halftime with the emotions that they had and then to come back out with yeah. that victory. And obviously then to go to Waffle House and, and all the stories <laughs> that uh, come from that as well. The, the first people ever to have a reservation at Waffle House, we've. Have we confirmed that, Mia? Um, about the, I, I don't, I've never heard of anyone that <laughs> actually made, first of all, I've seen this in our comments a lot on the videos that we've now shared on the 10 to Excel social channels. Um, has anyone ever, ever actually successfully called Waffle House and they have answered the phone? The I fact, didn't even know they had a phone. Right. The fa- <laughs> Every once in a while yeah. I hear it. <laughs> but, like, I guess that's for U- Uber Eats now, I right. guess. Yeah. Well, Marissa Lawrence apparently somehow got through, um, and she called on Friday. And she has said, the direct line number. And yeah. said, hey, we, we may swing through. Can Cook's you just, like, number. set aside some tables for us? So I don't know if it was so much a reservation. Yeah. Uh, Trevor claimed today that they had 20 players and their wives and sisters and brothers. That's a lot that's for That's a, a Waffle lot House. of people, because I yeah. also saw a bunch of uh, – There's, like, six tables in Waffle House. Right. Well, <laughs> like they had maybe. Marissa's uh, college room. Roommates, like, and their husbands were there. So I'm like, how many people did they fit in this Waffle like House? A wedding reception. I know. Right? I, listen, nobody loves Waffle House more than me. Floridian, my whole life, Southerner, love it. How many are there in Ocala? Uh, well, we we actually have a new one since I've moved, and it's in my neighborhood. <laughs> oh, yes. You but might have to move back. Here's the deal, and what I was gonna say: in Ocala, we had Aunt Fanny's, you know, a 24-hour diner. Like in Jacksonville, folks, we have nothing. That's 24 hours, except for Waffle House. Like, we, somebody make it happen. We need more 24-hour restaurants. <laughs> it's it's terrible. I'm sorry. That's why he had to go to Waffle House. Absolutely. I mean, everyone could have gone back to their house, and someone could have cooked breakfast, but where's the fun <laughs> like, in that? No. He's like, I've well, been cooking this whole second half. Right. <laughs> Good call. I especially after <laughs> Brandon Scherf and EJ Perry had never been to Waffle yeah. House Which ever. Which is shocking. It is. And all my friends- offensive linemen? <laughs> All my friends were asking me, like, which Waffle House did they go to? And I'm like, well, I'm assuming it's the one on beach. Beach and A1A, yeah. yeah. Oh, you think all the way at the beach? Oh, yeah. It is? Okay, because there's one on beach before you get to the beach. It certainly looked like that. And Um, I just assumed it was. Thank God this wasn't 10 years ago because I would have been toasty (laughs) up in there. (laughs) You'd have been like asleep on one of the tables in the corner by yourself. There's got to, there must, I'm, listen, I know most of the town was at the stadium or watching the game somewhere. There had to have been some, uh, Late night animals oh, that, that oh, uh, just sure. wandered in, and there's Trevor <laughs> and the gang just chilling well, at Waffle House at 1 a.m. So honestly, I think I was still at. I was. I, I think I had just gotten home when I saw Marissa's post that they were at Waffle House, and I was like, "Hey, Brian, you want to go to Waffle House?" <laughs> Assuming it's the one right by us. Yeah. And obviously, we were not going. But yeah. either way, all right. I want to talk more about the Jaguars <laughs> and the Chiefs. I also have, or Mia has, a fair and fair injury update for you. And I also have a question for these ladies. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tartlet on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. He didn't have to wake up. A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. A little more Darius Rucker for you this evening. Everybody here likes Darius Rucker, right? Love him. My dog. Have I given you guys the story of uh, Darius and I? No. Yeah, so... um, as some know, I had a previous life, and by a previous life, I mean a uh, semester-long internship in college at the Academy of Country Music. 
and uh, got to meet Darius a couple times through that. Um, I've heard he's super nice. Super nice dude to the point that by the third time we met, I like went over to introduce myself again because you know, I'm just the intern. And he came up to me and he goes, of course I know who you are, Mia. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and so then you fast forward seven years. And when he was here last year for the Furyk tournament, we had a good laugh looking back at the pictures of me almost dropping a boom microphone on him. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So, oh, no. yeah, good dude. Obviously a good friend of the Furyk family. A good friend of Trevor and his camp. And so once again, folks, justice for Darius. Please don't listen to this nonsense justice. on the Twitter timeline. It's going to be okay. He, he's, he's on your side. It's it, okay. To me, it seemed like all he was saying is if your team's out of the playoffs – you should root for the Jaguars. Root for the Jaguars. And yeah. also, by the way, if your team's still in the playoffs and your team's about to face the Jaguars, good luck. Look out because yeah. this is a team that is playing really well right but now. But see, we have critical analysis skills, Lauren. I don't even, th- <laughs> I don't even think that's a word. Clemson and South Carolina people just hate each other. That's all. That's all. That's yeah, what it is. Did you that's see, it. actually, wait, did you see that, JJ, when I went to the Gator Bowl game and I tweeted out the video of. Trevor popped up on oh, the yeah. Jumbotron in the South Carolina. And he got booed. I believe yeah, it. Big time. They went nuts. I like I knew it was a heated rivalry, but I was like, geez. Yeah, people. there was a lot of boos. And I was like, shut up. What are you doing? Relax. <laughs> he hasn't played you in three years yeah. because he didn't play you the COVID he, year. He retweeted you too and yeah. was like, the the scars are deep or something like that. And ETN, like a bunch of like the Clemson guys from that year all started retweeting and laughing. And I was like, man. Sour. I had so no idea. Rivalry, oh, but yeah. it's certainly nasty. it wasn't much of a rivalry when <laughs> yeah. Trevor was there because no. South Carolina wasn't very good. South Carolina is getting better, but uh, Taylor's Notre Dame Irish took care of the South Carolina Gamecocks in the Gator Bowl. All right, I want to keep it on Jaguars Chiefs. Let's get it to a fair and fair injury update now. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Protecting you and your family since 1979. Four players limited for your Jacksonville Jaguars at today's first official practice of the work week. That being, wait for it, Trevor Lawrence with the toe. Had to be on there. Honestly, I think it's like a bit at this point, and I, I love know. every bit of it. Um, Kendrick Pryor, the sixth wide receiver with a shoulder injury. Jamal Agnew with a shoulder injury that had kept him limited a little bit in practice last week. And then Luke Fortner popped up on the injury report for the first time today. I don't love all that. season, yeah, with a back injury. He was limited, so he did practice, albeit not in a full capacity. Ross Matisic and Brandon Scherf both did not practice today. Matisic still with that back injury where they're just monitoring it. It's the nature of how that injury is going to be. And then Brandon Scherf with the abdomen, I think safe to say Lauren and Taylor and JJ, I think that's just a matter of, listen, we got to get you ready for uh, Chris mm-hmm. Jones on Saturday. So may not practice this week, but I think you'll be okay. If you don't practice. What's up with Trevor's non-throwing hand? Good question. Uh, I actually asked him to clarify that today. So that thumb, A lot of blood. Yeah, a lot of blood. blood. Yes. Um, the thumb injury that he suffered in the fourth quarter was apparently an opposing defensive lineman stepped on his I thumb. That. Yeah. But he said it wasn't like the thumb broke or anything. Like it wasn't any structural damage like that. But it just sliced his thumb open. And he said he thought it was just a, you know, just a little cut. And it's on his non-throwing arm so or hand so he was like oh whatever and then all of a sudden he looked down at the next play and his hand was just, just covered blood and cut he went, it off well that's we not good it? um and, and correct me if i'm wrong wasn't there like they called it the chargers called a timeout and that gave the jaguars three minutes to wrap up trevor's thumb yeah. too 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So well, another way that Brandon Staley left the door open mm-hmm. for Jacksonville to win the game on Saturday. I will say, watching it in the press box, I didn't know his thumb was bleeding yeah. until other people watching at home mm-hmm. tweeted out pictures. Oh, there from was the broadcast. a zoom in on it, right? Yeah. And then people, <laughs> I told Trevor, he didn't even, didn't even realize that people on Twitter were taking Kurt Schilling's bloody ankle and putting it <laughs> oh, up <God>. against <laughs> Trevor Lawrence's bloody thumb, and and then I saw the caption was, "At least this one is real." And I was like, "Oh, that's so spot on. I love that." Well, uh, by the way, real quick on the. Jaguars injury report, that means that Riley Patterson is not on it. No, he is not. Um, And so we obviously know that he missed last Tuesday's practice with knee soreness in that right knee. And they uh, had Logan Cook take a lot of the kickoffs, which made me correct. very nervous. Yes. That, I think that that's, something might be like he might. Yeah. I was afraid Riley Patterson wouldn't be able to take the game winning field goal. I think it was just load management. But yeah. So um, uh, and he's not on the injury report today. So that's a positive that's thing. That's great. News. Uh, he yeah. also had no injury designation on Friday before last Saturday's game. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, two noteworthy ones here um, because Sky Moore and Legereus Sneed both practiced in full after suffering hand and hip injuries, respectively. Um, um, Mecole Hardman did not practice with a pelvis injury. If you remember, he missed the last meeting mm-hmm. between the Jaguars and the Chiefs. And then Frank Clark with a groin injury was limited today. I bring that up because he probably shouldn't play. He well, so correct. So he did not play in the previous meeting because he was suspended. Trevor today, when when us reporters were speaking with him, brought up the fact that he goes, I know he's a little banged up, not sure if he's gonna go, but like I, I'm sure he's gonna try to go because they had the week off. And I was like, Frank Clark got hurt, and then sure enough, on the injury report, because I would have assumed, just like Trevor, knowing they had that bye week, I'm not so sure the severity of this groin injury, but the fact that he popped up again and popped up as limited is curious. And that has been the fair and fair injury update. Excellent job. It's interesting with Mecole Hardman uh, kind of being questionable, I would say, coming into the game. We won't know the status till Thursday, but I would assume that he they're not going to put him back at punt returner, so it'll be Kadarius Tony's job. Uh, and then Pacheco does, is the kick returner. That's something to watch because they've had some issues with special teams this year, the Chiefs had. Did you hear my stat that I said on uh, XL Primetime today? I did not. Uh, JJ, what do we say? 177 yards for Kadarius Toney in the receiving game since he joined the Chiefs. And 57 of them, including a touchdown, came against the Jaguars. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh, I remember. He's played seven games. It's just very fascinating. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I think part of it was the was the nature of Mecole Hardman wasn't playing and it opened up opportunities for him. Mm-hmm. That, of course, was before Darius Williams moved to the outside full time. That was once like more. the hopscotch. Yeah. His little hop yes. into the yep. end zone. Yep. Yeah. yep. So I'm, I am curious. He was trying to stay in bounds. Yeah. He did it extra. I am curious to see if that was the nature of uh, just Kadarius Tony, his first real game with the Chiefs and a mismatch on the outside yeah. for Kansas City or if he really just decides to get up whenever he's got to play the team that resides an hour north of his alma mater. I don't know. Well, especially the whole Urban Meyer was going to select him, all that stuff. A couple stats that I'll throw out at you. The Jaguars finished the season with a plus five turnover differential. The Kansas City Chiefs minus three. Wow. Only the Chiefs and the Dolphins were teams with a minus turnover differential that made the playoffs. And the Dolphins obviously got kind of lucky to make it into the playoffs. Yeah. So that is one thing to watch. If the Chiefs turn the ball over, I think more than once, the Jaguars are going to have a great chance to win the game. And then another uh, thing to keep an eye on, Harrison Butker, the Chiefs kicker, 18 out of 24 for field goals this season. Mm. I am really hoping he misses a couple field goals on Saturday, and that's a big turning point. And then also the Chiefs led the NFL in pressures. And the Jaguars were second in all of the league in pressures. The Chiefs had, I think, 178, and the Jaguars had 168, something like that. But 
that means you're talking about two teams that pressure the quarterback a lot. Mm-hmm. If the Jaguars can get after Patrick Mahomes and if the uh, – sorry, yeah, the Jaguars can get after Patrick Mahomes and the Jaguars can protect Trevor Lawrence, I think those are going to be key as well. Mia, yeah, since – oh, go ahead. Sorry, Taylor. just on like the one stat, which is honestly kind of crazy. So Patrick Mahomes has 41 touchdowns and just 12 interceptions. Yep. So that just means their defense is not – getting interceptions pretty much right because he's not turning over the ball a ton but that differential makes it look bad because I guess they're not getting the ball which that's good no four turnovers to start the game that would be (laughs) certainly a very good thing uh Mia you were in Kansas City in November how loud was it uh pretty loud it was obviously a one o'clock kick I mean they pretty much filled the place. It wasn't as full at kickoff as I anticipated. It's funny you bring that up, though, Lauren, because when people have asked me what I thought of the scene at TIAA Bank Field the last two Saturdays, I described the warm-ups as similar to an Arrowhead, a Lucas Oil Stadium, where the home team – excuse me, the home crowd goes nuts when the home team takes yep. the field for pregame warmups and they boo incessantly when the visitors arrive. Um, and, and that was something I really picked up on at Arrowhead and that was before the place was full. And so I'm excited to see what it looks like when, granted, at 3.30 local time, it won't be complete darkness, needless to say, but by game's end, it will be uh, because the sun does tend to set in the Midwest a mm-hmm. little bit earlier than it does here in Florida. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'll be an electric environment. The tailgates and the parking lots are packed to the brim and that was even at you know as I was coming in at 11 a.m. 10 30 a.m. that Sunday morning and so um, knowing it's a later kickoff I would expect more of the same. Sounds like a plan hopefully the Jaguars offensive line is certainly Luke Fortner and, and all the guys make sure that they have their snap count on point and there's not any false starts or at least limited false starts uh, mm-hmm. because of the noise. All right I have a question for these ladies when it comes to quarterbacks when we come back you listen to Helmets and Heels driven by Tarotlet on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Who's better, Darius Rucker or Hootie and the Blowfish, as far as music is concerned? Whose music do you like better? Uh, I honestly really like both. But, like, Hootie for me is just super nostalgic because Mm -hmm. it just reminds me of growing up you know like when I'm like yeah for me high school for yeah. you like when I diapers. was like 9 10 11 12 <laughs> like that age and I remember like my mom would listen to Hootie a lot so it just like brings back those memories so it adds a little yep. bit to it but I do I love Darius Rucker and Darius Rucker is great live too so when you get to see that when you experience it live it adds a little bit to I it. would say in terms of albums I think Darius Rucker like I can listen to a full album I'm not a huge I'm just gonna put on a Hootie and the Blowfish yeah. playlist, you know? Like, I'll listen, though, to a Darius Rucker playlist or a Darius Rucker album. Yeah. JJ? I only know, like, this and maybe one other Hootie song. Oh, we gonna teach you in the 7 so o'clock I, hour. I definitely <laughs> would say Darius Rucker. I know okay. all of those. Yeah. You'd probably know more than you think you'd Probably. Of I think it'd Hootie. be hard for me to choose because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, high school, it was Hootie and the Blowfish were super popular. I had a friend in high school who was, like, literally the biggest Hootie fan. Mm-hmm. And then in the last, what, 15 years is when he's become a solo artist and, and certainly in the country world solidified himself as, as one of the best. It, all of his stuff is so yeah. good. I would say, though, he has more s- slower songs as, as solo artists, so maybe I'd lean towards Hootie. But, yeah, like Mia said, we're going to teach you some more Hootie songs uh, <laughs> this hour. All right, here's my quarterback question for you ladies. And JJ. Take Patrick Mahomes off the list. 
which quarterbacks do you want over Trevor Lawrence? Today, tomorrow, the next five years, mm-hmm. outside of Patrick Mahomes, who would you take over Trevor? Taylor, I'll start with you. Oh, just name them? Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, man. Are there any is, yeah, is also. Let me think. Let me process. Probably it. at this moment in time, which could change quickly, I would personally probably take Josh Allen. Okay. Um, and maybe Joe Burrow. I'd probably take both of them right now. Let that maybe. That's it. about it. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Mia. Joe Burrow. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. See, the Josh Allen one is is tricky because he is a turnover machine. Mm-hmm. Correct. With all the fumbles and interceptions, too. Heaven forbid the Jags do indeed win on Saturday. And if the Bills win. Right. I mean, that AFC championship <laughs> game is going to be the most hot or cold like, yeah. matchup of all time. Yeah. First half. Four fumbles, four picks, yeah. second half. Yeah. They combined for 10 touchdowns. Right. Josh Allen's very much that guy, too, where he's not technically, they're not, like, scheming runs for him usually, but he'll just, like, take off and full-on plow, peep, like, and then linemen over, he, and then right. he hurts and then he has, himself. Yeah. Or he, turns the ball over exactly. or fumbles the ball. And fumbles the ball. JJ, who you got? Over I said Trevor. this on Rick's show a few okay. weeks ago, and I'll stand by it. Okay. I have Trevor over Josh Allen. I do, too. I have Trevor over... Um, uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Okay, but oh. I have him behind Herbert. I love Herbert. Okay, obviously I love Mahomes. Mahomes number one. Yeah. I don't think Trevor will ever be better than Mahomes. I don't think anyone will be. I think we're set up for Mahomes potentially being the greatest quarterback of all time. Obviously, very early to say that. But uh, he is twenty-seven. But yeah, then again, but Bra- I mean, Brady, Brady's, Brady's about playing, to play no, he's forty-seven. So yeah, he's got twenty <laughs> years left. That's true. Yeah. That's um, it. but I, I, I think. Trevor is going to be better than Josh Allen um, and Joe Burrow. I think Herbert's better than Trevor. I think he has a better arm. I think he can move out of the pocket. It's really close, mm-hmm. but I think they're. I, I like I like Herbert better. What right about now. the team around Herbert though? Is that a detriment to you, or will he overcome? I just that? think Herbert's a better quarterback, team or no team. I like if, even if you with put the big Herbert, brain. If you put Herbert on this team right now, I think they'd be about the even same. with the big brain as a head coach. One Brandon what do you Staley. Mean? That's what I affectionately refer to Brandon. Yeah, Staley if Herbert as. had. Um, Doug, Peterson. Doug Peterson, they yes. they'd probably be like second seed in the AFC or something right. like that. I would yeah. agree with that. Statement. It was watching Herbert the other day. Some of his passes, like, and not that they're bad, but he does a lot of that, like the sidearm passes he was doing that night too. Yep. But they're also he just was doing like, that more than usual. Okay, right. and that's why I don't watch him a ton. I don't think I guess I haven't watched him a ton because I was just like, and they're also just like rockets. Like everything, yes. I feel like I feel like his receivers are probably like shaking their hands after catching <laughs> his passes sometimes. Which is what we were saying about certain passes from Trevor earlier mm-hmm. in the season that he has to learn to put that touch on the ball. Well, mm-hmm. certainly he's learned that. I was a big advocate for the Jaguars drafting Justin Herbert when he was coming out of Oregon because at the time the Jaguars had Gardner Minshew. I did not want the Jaguars to ride with Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. for the next season. I wanted Justin Herbert here. So I certainly understand, JJ, what you're thinking as far as how good he is, smooth he is. He's all those things. He's got a great arm. But I don't know that... that He's got great hair, too. And, and Trevor's hair is better, but yes, he does <laughs> have great hair. I think the one thing is the championship DNA, you know, that quote-unquote saying... That may be cliche, but Trevor Lawrence has won so much in his life that mm-hmm. he knows what it's like 
to be in those big moments and to win in those big moments. And Justin Herbert hasn't quite gotten to that point, so I still think I'd take Trevor over yeah, him. Yeah, Brady didn't win nothing either. And so That's he got true. To the NFL. But Brady, like, I feel like we can never compare anyone to Brady because there's never again going to be a sixth-round okay, well, quarterback who wins seven rings. Hey, Brock Purdy, seventh-round quarterback. But he's not going to win seven rings. Okay, well, most guys who win championships in college – are nobodies in the NFL. Well, and that's the thing about Joe Burrow. So yes, I do I'll wonder how good he is going to be. I mean, obviously, we saw him go to the Super Bowl. His team wasn't able to win, but I don't necessarily place that on him. I think yeah. beat up off. He was also line. getting killed behind right, his line. Right, which yeah. he's still getting killed. Yeah, uh, He, he wasn't is the a winner, though. He Correct. is absolutely a winner. Correct. And so he's one that like, I'd have to think long and hard if I wanted Joe Burrow, Joe Cool over Trevor. I said yeah. the Brock Purdy line in jest. JJ, okay. yes, yes, don't worry, folks. I'm not, <laughs> like, what? I literally I said, it, like, I said um, it in jest. It's okay. She's on the train. JJ he is badass. Though. I know. He, is, right? I know. he also looks like he's about 12, so yeah. it's awesome. Uh, JJ hit the nail on the head, though, and I, I felt it when he was winning the college, when, when he was winning the national championship, and you felt it during that postseason run last year, and I'm curious because I didn't really feel it this past Sunday if you will see it when the Bengals go to Buffalo this weekend. Joe Burrow is the most competitive mm-hmm. you-know-whatter in the National Football League right now. Yeah. More than Mahomes. And I think what's so impressive yeah. about Joe Burrow is that he has some God-given natural abilities on a football field. That's why he's a top-ten quarterback in the league. But I think much like Tom Brady, what takes him over the top is that competitive yeah. spirit and everything in between the ears. And not saying that Mahomes doesn't have that, not saying that Herbert and, and Trevor don't have that, although the text line is saying that Herbert doesn't have the killer <laughs> instincts. Um, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I just think that what will continue to keep Joe Burrow in the conversation as a top-five quarterback and why he will continue to make the postseason and will his team is because there's not a more fiery competitor at mm-hmm. the position right now. Yeah. No, I, I love his personality, and okay. I do think that he – is that, like, never quit. And so his team looks, you know, if they're down at any point in time, they look at him in the locker room at halftime and go, we've got we've got this guy. By the way, I was surprised, going back to Herbert, I was very surprised that after that one scramble, and I'm certainly glad he didn't run more, but Herbert had so much room to run. Yep. Other times yeah. I was like, oh, no, he's about to take yeah. off, and he never did. And I don't know if that's going back to the rib injury that yeah. he had suffered, and so that they was why. They mentioned that a few times on the broadcast, right. that they think he's he's been hesitant since his rib injury. Some of these yeah. guys are just like, I'm going to air it out. Yeah, like no matter what, they got the yeah, arm. Why exactly. not? Exactly. I I have to say I am cheering for the Bengals to beat the Bills. Yeah. I think the Jaguars would match up better against the Bengals than mm. I do the Bills. See, that's where I disagree. Okay. Yeah. I, I I would love to see Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence part three because I I think that that is a matchup that we will see. And even Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow round four because Joe Burrow and the Bengals have defeated the Chiefs three times in Mm -hmm. the last calendar year, which is incredible to think about. But I just think with so many weapons on the outside that the Bengals possess versus the Bills certainly have, you know, their array of weapons. Um, Yes, they have Stephon Diggs. They have Gabriel Davis. They don't have a run game, so there's also that. Um, But Cole Beasley who they re-signed for the 18th time mm-hmm. in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Speaking was, of cockroaches uh, yeah, around Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's who was catching touchdown passes for Josh Allen on Sunday. Yeah. And so that is why I look at Buffalo, and also knowing that Buffalo's defense, while still great, has not been the same since Von Miller went down. And I say that is a more favorable matchup for the Jaguars, in gen- or the Chiefs, like sure. for either team. Yeah. Um, just because I think that the Bengals have so many dudes, and while the Jaguars' coverage, ha- it's been much much better yep. since Darius Williams shifted back to the outside. 
I'm, I'm still not really sold on some of yeah. those other parts. I know we talked Having about. Having to handle Jamar and T. Correct. Like, and Hayden scary. Hurst. Hayden, and Hayden, yeah. Hayden Hurst looked great. And then a run game also. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then you can have both running backs on the field at the same yeah. time in Cincinnati with Mixon and P. Ryan. And yeah. so knowing the Jaguars struggles with linebackers and coverage, knowing Trey Herndon struggles during the year, um, while it's great you have two lockdown corners and you have Foye Lewican, like there's still some other question marks that uh, I – I, I wouldn't go near that matchup. And see, for me, the Jaguars struggle with mobile quarterbacks at times, and mm-hmm. Josh Allen is certainly not afraid to run the ball like we were just talking about. But also, the Bengals' offensive line, the way that the Ravens were able to get after Joe Burrow, I think the Jaguars, the way they've been teeing off the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. I think they would be able to really force Joe Burrow into some bad situations, and the opportunistic defense they've had all season would be able to come alive. I, I don't necessarily know that the Jaguars – would be favored in either. I don't think they'd be, all right, let me rephrase. I don't think they'd be favored in either matchup. I don't think they will be favored the rest of the season yeah. or postseason that they're playing. But I still think, like, if I was going to bet money, I never bet on my own teams, but if I was going to bet money on Saturday, it would absolutely be for the Jaguars to cover. Yes, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Also, the good folks in my bookie told me to say that. So, yes. Also, <laughs> also I, I, as I'm reading my, um, I love our good friends at my bookie, and they, they did note how, you know, like, it's betting cover. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good play, and I agree. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, but what, what if the Jags win too? Yeah. Well, I mean, then you win, right? Exactly. As long as the Jags yeah. cover, and it's true. Jags cover or Jags win, you if win. If you bet the Jags to if just they win, win, you, win, you, win, you would probably get like three to one odds. Let right. Me look at That's it what right I'm right. saying. That's why I was like, why are we only talking about them covering? <laughs> why aren't we talking about them winning outright? So um, I because do they're g- a betting site. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I do want to get to a few off the text line because I, sure. I really like some of the conversation. Yeah. Three that's to being one at. odds on my okay. Good right job. Too shabby. This, thank you, JJ. Thank you, my bookie. But um, I don't bet on my own team. Um. This is courtesy of 4831. Give me Trevor's leadership over Herbert all day. I really like this one from Barry Says, who's at work, so he can't call in and talk to JJ. Um, But he has an observation for us. And, Taylor, since you were watching the game on TV, Mm -hmm. you would be the one to attest to this. He says, after the Jaguars scored their first second-half touchdown, the Marvin Jones touchdown, they cut to Herbert on the sideline. He already had a deer-in-the-headlights look on his face, like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. The same thing after the third touchdown. I just saw Trevor with a look of determination on his face, especially when he was going into the locker room at halftime when he was talking to Evan Ingram. Hey, let yeah. me say this for all you guys at home watching <laughs> TV body language. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> and I'll like, okay, you saw a guy on the sideline for the split second. They showed him on camera, and you're talking about his leadership qualities. Like, you don't know how good of a leader Trevor or Herbert is. I, I – I always shy away from those type of arguments because we have no freaking idea, man. Yeah, I mean, did you we, see yeah. the deer, the deer did, in the headlights? Is that though? it? I, like, yeah. I, I do want to talk. I about will the say, that, but yeah. I, I think it's TV and it's a broadcast, and they're there. They do things like that. They show certain people at certain moments because they know what they're doing. But they did show Herbert in that moment, and Herbert definitely had like frustration on his look. But of course, he I did. would be like, frustrated. Yeah, that's too. What I, I think that's a natural, a natural thing. They didn't and the, lose that the, game because of. Herbert's Herbert, play. no. And, and, like, the the camera guys know when to look for those certain moments. They're like, okay, the Jags are making their comeback right now, and good things There's are happening. There's a guy with a shot of these quarterbacks at all time. His yeah. whole job is to show the quarterback. He's like, look at Herbert's face right now. So when the director <laughs> sees that he's looking a certain way, they go to it instantly. But yeah. also, it's storytelling. I, I just do feel bad for Justin Herbert because I agree. He didn't lose them the game, JJ. And yet, did miss a terrible throw in the end zone. He did miss the throw. Should have had that, but so did Trevor. Like, Correct. Correct. And, he missed, and Trevor missed the one against the Titans the week earlier um and that was even more wide open but my thing with poor Justin Herbert 
and I understand the Chargers have a history of chargering, um, that look on his face, that deer in the headlights look, it's very different than when, as a young, young, young Mo Brian, I used to talk about the deer in the headlights look that Eli Manning had sometimes up mm-hmm. in New York. This one is the look of, oh, it truly is that look of, oh, no. Yeah. Here we go again. Because you see it every single time the Chargers play the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes starts marching down the field, and you just, they cut to Herbert, and he's just standing there, and he's like, Eli's just How? naturally like correct. That's his natural. Some people, yeah, some that's people his have face. face. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, JJ. That's just my face every time I'm watching a Bears-Packers game. So, like, no matter what. Well, speaking of the Packers. Yeah, usually crying. When we come back, I want to get it to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and a whole lot more. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Outlet on 1010XL and 82.5 FM. She says there's the one I love the most. But time's not far behind. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Little Hootie and the Blowfish on this victory Tuesday as the Jaguars took down the Chargers 31-30 in thrilling fashion Saturday night at TIA Bank Field. And since Darius Rucker is a fan of Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, we decided to play... Darius music slash hootie music all night long as we continue to celebrate that massive playoff win. All right, ladies, let's get it to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Taylor, I will start with Aaron Rodgers. So I'll start with you. What is he going to do? I don't know. I I really don't. I think that I don't think he's done playing football personally. I just think that his ego is way too big to leave after a season like this. Um but in the interview, actually, hour-long interview with Pat McAfee today, he there's been f- different things that have kind of been hinted at from the moment that last game ended up until now. But right. in this interview, he kind of mentioned, like, he wants to be the the best place, in the in the best position for him to win, which at this exact moment I don't think is Green Bay. Um, just because they're still figuring out a lot of the offense right now. Their line got a lot worse this last season. Their defense definitely stepped up towards the end of the season, but he's wanting to play with guys who can catch passes that he's used to being able to just launch them and they get caught. And even McAfee honestly kind of like threw a few shots at him and was like, uh, like, is your body okay? Because like you weren't really making the throws that you normally make. And I was like – he wasn't though. Like normally, it's just you never ha- the ball leaves Aaron Rodgers' hands, and you're like, it'll it'll be right where it needs to be, and it hadn't been that for almost the entire season. So I think I think he'll want to go somewhere now. What that looks for Green Bay, I don't know because that's they're gonna have a a lot of dead cap because of his contract, and so it kind of screws them. But and then they'll have to make a decision. Is Jordan Love the guy? Do they try and get another quarterback in the draft? Do they trade for somebody else that's out there, Jimmy G or what? one of the 50 quarterbacks that San Francisco has? <laughs> um, I don't know. But I think he'll be playing. I hope it's not in Green Bay and because I wouldn't care as much if it was, like, somewhere else. He seems, Mia, to want so much attention that it seems crazy for him to walk away. Well, and to walk away from Green Bay, where he has that entire fan base in the palm of his hand. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like, 
I'm looking even as we also look to Tom Brady, um, Jeff Erickson of RotoWire and SiriusXM put together a rankings of Tom Brady's future teams ranked in terms of entertainment value. And I think a lot of these can also be said the same for Aaron Rodgers. Number one being the Jets. Number one with a bullet on it because you're in the New York media market. I do not believe Aaron Rodgers could do what he is doing if he played for the Jets or the Giants. Mm -hmm. It's just a fact of the matter. And the same can be said if he played in Los Angeles because, quite frankly, most people out there don't care about those two teams. Um, Yes, I just said that. Um, And and so that's why it it works for him, this shtick, and the fact that every – I can tell you this from working eight years, ten years really, in local television – Whenever he goes on McAfee on Tuesdays, I can assure you that the local TV stations are having to roll on the Pat McAfee show in case he says something outlandish so they can run it on the news that night. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't happen in many other media markets that have NFL teams in the year of 2022. Well, and the other thing with him is I think he's still healthy enough to play. Like, Mm. we didn't see a drop-off. Obviously, there are people questioning Tom Brady and and whether or not – He's as good as he once was. To me, if Tom Brady sails off into the sunset, his legacy is cemented forever. He's still the greatest. And I don't think many people remember the last two years of him with the Bucs. They'll remember the fact that he had six rings with the Patriots, went to Tampa Bay, got another ring. And that was that's really all she wrote Mm -hmm. with Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he only has the one championship if I was him, I I would certainly want another one. I would want at least as many as Eli Manning yeah. before my career is over. Yeah. I mean, when you do look at Aaron Rodgers, though, the, the last few seasons, just for example, so 2020, he had 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. This year, he had 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. His touchdowns were in half. His interceptions were in half. And I tweeted something the other day because I was kind of taking a shot at your show, Mia, um, because there was a couple months ago. Oh, that, yes. That, Never forget. <laughs> that Joe <laughs> Coward. I very much remember And that. Leon both said they would take Aaron Rodgers right then over Trevor Lawrence. And I was like, no. I was like, he's on the way down. He's not as good as he used to. Why would you trade, like, your young quarterback for an old guy who just wants to, like, doesn't even really care anymore. And they were like, what? So I ended up posting because someone had his like fourth quarter stats and like important games within the last few years. So obviously this year against Detroit, that game, if they won that game, they're in the postseason. In the fourth quarter, he went two for six, 12 yards, zero touchdowns and interception. In 2021, then the divisional round against San Fran, four for seven, 17 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's an entire fourth quarter. And then in 2020 for the uh, the NFC Conference game against Tampa, he went four for 11, 54 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And you've seen this steadily decrease since 2020. Like 2020, he had that incredible 48 touchdown, five interception year. And since then, it's just progressively gotten worse. And if that's because he... Uh, he doesn't have Devontae this year. Obviously, that's a major hit because that was his guy, and he had Devontae for eight seasons before that. But I just think that it, his ego, though, is too big to just be like, I'm going to walk away from a season where I get beat by the Lions to get knocked out to not even get into the postseason. So yeah. that's why I think he'll be playing, but I'm just, I, I just don't know if it'll be in Green Bay. But with my luck, it will be. and that I can understand Uh, certainly one thing I hope as far as dominoes falling 
Tom Brady to the Titans scares me. Mm-hmm. And even or what about Aaron Rodgers to the Titans? Because that's another theory that, that's been floated. Because apparently yeah, that scares me even more. Forty acres of land. Yeah, Tom Brady to the, the Titans sounds like that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron no, Rodgers I, to the Titans sounds like that could be something. Knowing I, their I, offensive line and knowing that yeah. like they rely so heavily on the run, yeah. it would be hilarious to see Tom Brady go just to hand the ball off. Yeah. And I also heard they were interviewing Matt Nagy for a play caller. So have fun with that, Tennessee. <laughs> right. Which Tennessee did make a higher. They have a new GM and Rand Carthon, former Florida running back. So congrats, I guess, to Tennessee. We hate everything about Tennessee, although I like Rand Carthon. But I certainly hope that he fails as a general manager <laughs> because I want Tennessee to be as awful as uh, they finish the season this year. Interesting that they went outside the organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought they would um, hire Ryan Cowden, their assistant GM, who was mm-hmm. the interim GM. And that was the reason to part with John Robinson because they wanted to get a jump start and basically have him audition for the job. Yeah. Which uh, I feel like it happened pretty quick. Yeah, and if it was an audition, um, you know. They, they didn't make the playoffs, so maybe that was the reason that yeah. his candidacy took a step back. Because they also interviewed twice. I, they just were doing a second interview with Ian Cunningham from the Bears, and we were kind of worried that we were going to lose him. So, And then tw- ten minutes, it was like, just finished their second interview. Ten minutes later, they were like, Tennessee hired this guy. I was like, oh, okay, that was fast. That was fast. Hi, what's your name? All right, thank you. We've made our decision. Uh, we do not need to see any more from you or hear any more from you. All right, we've got one segment to go on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Outlet. We've got to get to our AP Top 25 basketball update, as well as a Florida gymnastics update. I also want to ask you all about some superstitions that you may or may not have during this Jaguars run. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Outlet on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. For the astute listening audience, this is not Darius Rucker or Hootie and the Blowfish. This would be the Almond Brothers. This is Jessica, right? Correct. All right. I love the Almond Brothers. No words in this song. No words at all. It is instrumental only. If you want to go see Big Band of Brothers, a jazz celebration of the Almond Brothers, next Wednesday at Ponte Concert Hall, be caller number four right now and you will win the pair of tickets caller number four at 641-1010 like i said i love the almond brothers i bet it's going to be a fantastic show in the pontevedra concert hall if you've never been there is such a great venue it's intimate and right there uh, uh in pontevedra super convenient especially for you mia very yes. convenient to you it's on my running route oh is it okay yep mm-hmm. it's super cute at night too with all the lights and everything uh, i'm going to a concert there in a few weeks a country concert but he's not on the radio yet so nobody's heard of him so nobody cares all right let's move right <laughs> along to uh superstitions i want to get to superstitions before we get to basketball uh, and i know no one really cares about my gymnastics update no actually i will note this lauren a couple of my buddies who yeah. are up in fernandina who uh-huh. are uh big big jags fans also big uh tampa bay lightning fans what's up brendan and Dory, uh, they also went to their first Florida gymnastics oh, meet. Oh, okay. And he told me it? it was the most electric sporting event outside of a Jaguars game that he has been to. Well, I can understand that because they are selling out Exact Tech Arena. And you, when you go to a gymnastics meet, the athletes are much closer to you than obviously like most stadiums, NFL stadiums that you'll go to or college stadiums. And so they are performing right in front of you. And especially if you're talking about the latter two exercises or latter two rotations between the beam and the floor, every inch matters, right? Yeah. And not even an inch, like centimeters matter. If you step on the line on the floor, you're going to get a big deduction. On the beam, you falter at all, you're going to get a big deduction. So I can certainly understand that. So I'll just give my quick it's, gymnastics yeah. Is update. it like quiet? 
like everyone stays quiet when someone's like on the beam or it so it depends on if it's uh like as in fans right it depends on if it's a quad meet or a regular meet if there's okay. only two teams then yes the okay. home team will be quiet when their athletes are competing mm-hmm. when it's a quad meet people are cheering at all different times oh, okay. because people are finishing routines when other people are starting routines, gotcha. which is how the postseason goes. And it's very stressful, yeah. especially when there's like the six, which part of the fun he said of this yes. past meet for Florida was also the fact that, I mean, you had Auburn. Yep. So you had yep. um, uh, SUNY, um, SUNY Lee, SUNY Lee mm-hmm. who obviously is an Olympic gold medalist yep. and you had several other Olympians like, so Leon Wong yeah. for Florida. So she had two perfect tens and almost a third. Like her third was a nine nine seven five, oh which God. the crowd obviously wanted her to get the ten. Yeah. What's fun about a Florida gymnastics meet is every Florida athlete on floor does a gator chomp at some point during their routine, and the whole crowd are such fans that they know when it's coming, and so they all do it in sync with the athlete. So that part is really cool too. And then Trinity Thomas also had a ten because of course she had to have a ten, uh, but she didn't have her best meet. But that's what was cool to see is that. Other athletes stepped mm-hmm. up, certainly Leanne Wong uh, among them. And so Florida's still rolling along in gymnastics. And uh, I love Friday Night Heights. And I will continue to provide you with updates. All right, I want to get to superstitions before we get to basketball. I have been wearing the same leopard print dress every <laughs> Monday uh, since the Jaguars began the win streak. And as JJ asked me, have I washed it? No, I have not washed it. But I'm only wearing it to work, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I have some other superstitions as well where, like I said, Going to the same place after the Jaguars win, mm-hmm. um, I will not. When someone texts me certain things about the Jags, like I like if they think if they're asking me if I think the Jaguars are going to win, I'm not predicting that kind of thing because I haven't been doing yeah. that. So everything I've I've tried to kind of keep the Jaguars emoji is what I'm using more than anything else. Yeah, I um, well obviously I'm not picking an impact player. Yep, and I'm yep. also not going to the game. Also true. <laughs> That's been kind of the thing, and it started as a joke, and then I got sick, so I couldn't go to the game. But I, and I was kind of joking with Lauren because I was like, if I would have been, because I had to uh, the ability to go. I had, there was two tickets I could have used over on this last weekend, and I was like, but I just wasn't feeling good yet. So I was like, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna like backtrack myself. I'm just gonna sit at home. And I'm like, in my head, I. I probably would have been one of the people to leave because I would have been like, this is my fault. Like, I come to this game and we're losing 27 nothing, And then I would have left and we would have started winning. And I would have been like, see, <laughs> like, it's me. So I'm wondering how many people out there are maybe going through that where they were like, I left the game and they started winning. And so maybe I shouldn't go to this game anymore. We had someone text into primetime today who left at halftime and now has booked a ticket to Arrowhead as paying, you know, paying penance. Yeah. For their like, sin. sorry, I left. Part of me is like, I don't know. You left the game and <laughs> right. uh, things took a turn for the better. You may so have to leave Arrowhead We may as be well. kicking yeah. you out of there too. Oh. Um, the one that I love, uh, and for what it's worth, by the way, when I was playing in high school and middle school, I was the most superstitious person you have ever met in your life. I was the type of person where if I was coming up the stairs to the second floor of our high school and my foot didn't land on my right foot that I was convinced we weren't going to win that day. Like, I was crazy. Um, Thankfully, I have toned down a little bit, have not needed Xanax or anything, just, you know, kind (laughs) of have mellowed out a little bit, which is, I know, hard to believe for many of you uh, listeners. Um, This is mellow Mia. This is is mellow, non-crazy, superstitious Mia. Um, Outside of the fact that um, I haven't been able to pick the Jags because I picked against them during the six-game win streak, although we believe that that may have been snapped because MJD was also picking against them them and he went on NFL Network at halftime mm-hmm. of Saturday's game and said they're going to come back and they're going to win 31 to 27 and it was 31 30, 30 so yeah. I mean close enough um so that but other than that we do have our Duval donkey 
with our oh, good yes. friends over at Brackish. Uh, it is indeed 6-0. and All the games that we have made, the Duval Donkey Drink on the Wingstop Kickoff Show, brought to you by Kohler Homes and Clearwater Irrigation at Tailgaters Parking. Did Hayes chug it again this last week? He did indeed. That video is also available Mm -hmm. on the 1010XL channels. Um, I love this one. So uh, this is courtesy of at Jagnoll17Duval on Twitter. How many Jaguar fans still have their Christmas trees up because of the streak? And there are 236 likes on here. (laughs) So that says to me there are a lot of Christmas trees still up, and I'm not the only one. I kept mine up because... I literally tweeted last year at the Jaguars, I'm not taking my tree down until you hire a new head coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so now I'm doing it because until the season ends, I'm going to keep my Christmas tree up. And I, I know that there's a lot of folks out there that uh, are in the same boat. I do not have a Christmas tree up, but I have Christmas floor mats like leading into the house Mm -hmm. and those are still christmas is your yard flag still my yard flag is still jaguars i changed that a few weeks ago and so it was christmas and i was like i have got to change this (laughs) my christmas stuff is very much still outside taylor (laughs) very much still outside yeah i changed it i want to say before the cowboys game and so Somewhere in there. And so I was like, all right, we're good. Uh, But I have worn the same pants to the press box the last, I think, four home games. Uh, Thankfully, it's been cold or else I wouldn't have been able to wear them. Uh, And so and then I also wear the same like Jags tank top on uh, Saturdays before the games or Mm -hmm. Sundays before the game. Like I have a whole routine right now. (laughs) It is a whole routine. My cousin gave me these bracelets, but I've never worn them during a game since they have Jags on them. And so I can't wear them to the press box. I mean, not that anyone noticed, but I wouldn't. And so I can't wear those during games. So I will not be wearing them on Saturday. Like all these little things, even though I'm sure none of it really matters, it makes us feel better. Uh, JJ, any superstitions for you? No, but I have a mullet. And <laughs> ever right. since I got my hair cut <laughs> into a right. mullet, the Jags have not lost. So that definitely counts. You are correct. And your girlfriend doesn't necessarily love the mullet, but no. she doesn't get a vote until the season ends. She doesn't get a vote anytime. <laughs> Are you serious? Listen, I don't walk up to her when she's getting her hair done and okay. no, you can't do that. You can't do this. So she doesn't do it for me. She's okay. grown to love it. I love well, the mullet. Thank um, you. I Yeah, I think the mullet looks great. By the way, I'm looking up at the TV. Kansas State is playing Kansas and uh, 13th in Kansas State is right now winning 38-30 over Kansas. But the reason I mention it is Keontae Johnson was just yeah. on TV and I'm just so happy for that young man Absolutely. after everything that happened with his incident at Florida and, and everything like that. All right, Mia, speaking of college basketball, what is the latest when it comes to your AP Top 25? Yes, yeah, so uh, pretty steady at the top. I still have Purdue ranked as my number one team in the nation. Houston is the number one team, according to the rest of the pollsters. Okay. Um, what has been most fascinating has been the movement in the Big East. UConn, who I still believe is the best team in the country, losing not one, but two games last week. And so because they lost to both Marquette and St. John's, they've tumbled down basically everybody's rankings. Where this gets interesting and relevant to yours truly, Xavier is now at the top of the standings when it comes to the Big East, the Musketeers. Uh, And so in last week's poll, they were ranked number 12 after beating Creighton, who has kind of imploded, so all right, whatever, and then beating number 25, Marquette. Uh, Your girl here didn't rank them just because I was like, man, the Big East, like it's still UConn and everybody else, whatever. Um, Apparently – They were very mad at you. Yes. I did not know that Xavier fans were that vocal on Twitter. 
they came for me. Like, and everyone says, well, how do they know? Why are you even posting your ballot? Well, I'm <laughs> posting my ballot because the AP posts my ballot every single Monday. So I have no choice but to lean in because they're not finding it via my tweet. They're finding it on the official page. Gotcha. Um, and so don't worry, Xavier fans. You, you made up for it. You were able to get some wins this week. And so we're the ones I just alluded to. Um, so it's okay. Where'd you move them to? I actually put them all the way up into the top 10 because nice. there was so much movement below them yeah. um, with TCU and Texas and K-State and all those big 12 schools kind of knocking each other off. Um, Virginia picked up a big win over UConn, or over UConn, over UNC, who I still think, you know, I still think UNC is going to make some noise in the tournament. That's just me. Um, but, you know, they beat Florida State, who, as we all know here, is a uh, nothing really to cry home about. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, they, they kind of stay steady. Arkansas lost to Alabama. So you're seeing in the SEC and the Big 12 a lot of dog-eat-dog. Dog. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I was like, all right, Xavier, here's your bone. <laughs> here. Enjoy. I mean, listen, you do have, I believe it's three or four ranked wins at this point. Yeah. Good for you. Um, but the feel-good stories that I want to get to, uh, my people, the College of Charleston, now 18-1 and one on the season. Wow. And that one loss is to UNC at the Dean Dome, so not too shabby. Um, and so in the O'Brien poll, I have them at 17th. And then FAU ranked for the first time in program history. That's but good because didn't Florida lose to FAU? They the did. Yeah. They did indeed. But when you're a top 20 team in RPI, net, Kempom, like you can't ignore them. Like and, and, I mean, Florida Atlantic is good. So I put them in the poll at 18. Very happy for my owl friends. Um, but, yeah, and let's also talk about your Gators, Lauren, because uh, Colin Castleton was the player of the week uh, earlier this week for the SEC. And the Gators are riding a three-game win streak, which included, of course, winning the Mike White revenge game. And I do think their upcoming schedule is a little bit more favorable um, than previously thought. They will travel to Texas A&M tomorrow night. They lost to them at home earlier this month at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's kind of coming back down to earth, so we'll see how that one goes. Home against South Carolina. That's a South Carolina team that picked off Kentucky last week, but at the same time, this isn't your grandmother's Kentucky, even if they beat Tennessee over the weekend. So I think Florida, you know, they could pick up some nice quality wins if they choose to in this next three-game stretch. But the big one, of course, is next Saturday when they travel to Manhattan, Kansas, and they will face Keontae Johnson and Kansas State. Yeah, that game I feel like is going to be filled with emotions. I, Todd Golden wasn't the head coach of Florida, obviously. Then it was Mike White. But still, Todd Golden understands what some of these players – I'm trying to actually think who would still be on the team. Maybe Jatobo. Uh, not very many players, because that roster's turned over a lot, were on the team then when Florida was playing Florida State that day that he collapsed. But either way, it'll be emotional for, for the team in general. Uh, by the way, real quick before we get out of here, I have to mention this that I just saw on social media – and. Normally, I'm not one to like prop up Stetson Bennett because obviously he's the he was the starting quarterback for Georgia, who just won two national championships. But Stet, someone tweeted Stetson Bennett, Stake Shapiro. I don't know even know who that is. I'm a, he's verified, so he either pays to be verified or he's actually a host of 92.9 The Game. Either way, okay. So he tweets this about Stetson Bennett. Setson Bennett needed someone to tell him to get off his damn phone during a parade and to show some graciousness and appreciation to the fans that were sitting in that stadium. You want to crush the media you think we're mean to you, do it in a press conference, hashtag bad moments. So then Stetson quote tweets and says, cell phone? I'm afraid I'm too old to understand the latest technology (laughs) because he's 25 and everyone makes a point. And also he doesn't have a cell phone. Didn't he get rid of it? Well, he has like the flip where he at one point had the flip phone, but that's still a cell phone. But either ways, I guess he went on and has a whole post now about what was going on. He was playing music either way. 
I just thought his response to that was pretty funny. Those memes were there was some good ones coming out about Stetson for a while though. They had they had me. Oh yeah. Up. Absolutely. By the way, I saw this on NFL.com. Uh, Jeffrey Chahita said the biggest immediate question for advancing playoff teams and for the Jaguars, will the Jaguars start fast? Yeah, that's a million dollar question because in the early parts of the season when they began the year three and seven, they did start fast. Right. Mm-hmm. They did score first and then they would kind of tail off. I asked a lot of players in the locker room today. And again, you can get that those interviews on 1010XL's YouTube channel um, about the defense in the second half of games too. Obviously because they're playing from behind so often, that's why they're dialing up more blitzes and they're picking up the pressure. Um, But a lot of folks have asked, like, why can't they bring that intensity in the first half? Right. Where Mm -hmm. is it? Um, And so some of the players did their best in trying to answer that question. I can tell you this, the offense is clearly frustrated that they don't get off to fast starts. Sure. Um, And so knowing that Doug Peterson had an onside kick to begin the game Last time, the Jaguars headed out to Arrowhead. It'll be curious to see what tricks he has up his sleeve, if any at all, mm-hmm. this meeting. Yes, I will say you were talking earlier about the Chargers and the Jets sweep and how it hasn't gone well for them all season. Last week on our program on the Fringe Show, I said, I would like the Jaguars to, pay, to play pitch-free football. Mm-hmm. Do not pitch the ball yeah. for the rest of the season slash postseason at this point in time because it seems like the pitches mm-hmm. is where, Trevor pitching it is where things tend to go wrong. I do want to see certainly some tricks up Doug's sleeve, yeah. but I'm still hoping for pitch-free football, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think in one of the thing that you can really point to when the Jags do start fast and start strong, and it's usually well-balanced, and that's what ends up working. It's not too much of Trevor. It's not too much of ETN. Um, but you want to see that run game working. That's what killed the Chargers last week is they couldn't get that they, they couldn't get that moving whatsoever. So I just think that's going to be important for them to be able to start strong is you also notice the shift in the second half, how quickly they were how quickly they started moving also in the second half. And Doug spoke on that yeah, at halftime saying, yep. Yeah, we're gonna move to up tempo. Do that right away. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, just start just, at tempo, please. Just and please. for what it's worth, as, as you talk about the run game, Taylor, Travis Etienne had only 45 yards on 11 carries against Kansas City last time yeah, that yep. these two teams faced. Trevor Lawrence had four carries for 26 yards, and I remember those were really critical yards, and that was the first time we really saw him getting out in space and running this year, and so mm-hmm. I do think that's huge. The stat that, as I'm preparing for a TV hit later tonight that I just found and completely forgot about Trevor Lawrence was sacked a season high five times yeah. against the Chiefs on November 13th. Mm-hmm. That, that I believe, is a byproduct of several things. But the first of which that needs to be noted is Chris Jones. Um, I think yeah, he's that they thought that Brandon Scherf on an island can handle Chris Jones. The only issue is that Brandon, or, um, Chris Jones lines up all over the line. Mm-hmm. And even when he's on your all-pro, he probably needs a little bit of help. Um, and so I, I think neutralizing him is going to be massive even with this offensive line playing some of its best ball of late um yes they've given up sacks in each of the last few games and that was after allowing uh having six games where they didn't allow a sack but you consider some of the pass rushers they went against Mm -hmm. in Dallas with Micah Parsons the Jets Quinn and Williams uh Tennessee Jeffrey Simmons Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa this weekend like yeah it's okay (laughs) one or two um, especially when one of those sacks this weekend was actually credited to Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. and Walker Little and, and Juwan Taylor. Yeah. yeah, they Covered weren't as responsible. Yeah, I, I do see some chip help this weekend, though, just because that Chris Jones is a, a different world sometimes, and obviously they saw it the last time, so now Doug's going to be prepared for that. Yep, the O-line has to play well and certainly help from the tight ends mm-hmm. as well. And, and the Jags have, a, I think, a great tight end group when it comes to blocking. Yeah. 
All right, that's going to do it for us. Hopefully next Tuesday night we have another Victory Tuesday and the Jaguars playoff run continues. For Mia O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ LaSalva, I'm Lauren Brooks. Don't go anywhere into the night with Rick Falou. Comes up next right here on 1010XL and 2.5 FM.